No matter what you're a fan of, Texas has the trip for you. There's the trip to Texas and the trip. Or maybe you're the kind of fan who'd prefer a trip to Texas or a trip. Either way, go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. Welcome to the Diversity Remix, only provocative conversations at the intersection of business, politics, and culture. I'm Charlie Echeverry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. This week's episode, The Truth About UFOs. In today's deep dive, science, the military, and pop culture may be strange bedfellows, but nevertheless, they've seemingly converged on the topic of UFOs. Now that UFOlogy is moving into the mainstream, will we finally figure out if we're really alone in the universe? and encourage or cringe, Kamala's border interview, high school prom with a scarlet letter, and Texas vows to keep building the wall. Are VP Kamala Harris's recent awkward interviews an example of an impatient press misunderstanding a focused political strategy? Or are they evidence of a failed attempt to dodge important border questions? Was marking the bodies of high school students with a vaccine identifier an appropriate step given the unusual social circumstances presented by COVID? Or was it an unconstitutional and even immoral assault on the privacy of young people during a delicate time? And finally, does a state governor taking border security into his own hands constitute a measured response to protect his citizenry from a local threat? Or does it point to political posturing that plays well to a partisan base of supporters? This, my friends, and much more on this episode of TDR. Have you, um, have you ever seen a UFO? I have not. I have. You have? Um, we're going to talk about that. We are talking about that. Oh, we are going to. Oh, we are, ta- we see, are talking always, about that. You do this to me every time. You do this to me every time. I do not know whether when we're recording. You seriously never seen like something that you looked at and were like, I don't know what that is? Uh, not that I can remember. When I was... Um, I mean, not something I would consider UFO. Right. Well, I mean, UFO is unidentified right. flying object. Actually, there's a new designation, which we'll get into on yeah. this. But UAP. 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 Um, when I was probably 12, maybe, maybe younger, 11 or 12, my brother was two years older. We were riding our bikes around our neighborhood in Florida. It's a very clear night. And um, we kind of turned the corner probably one street away from our house, and we looked up into the sky, and we saw this very strange, kind of like half the size of a full moon size object, just kind of like – it was white. It was a white light. Mm-hmm. And so initially, you know, my brother said, well, that's – what is that? And we're like, it's a plane. It's a, it's a man. It's well, – no. But it's, it's a, it's a, it was a light. Of, that was a plane. It wasn't a plane. It wasn't moving. 
Um, and it was a pretty decent size. And I was like, well, is it a moon? It wasn't the moon either. Mm-hmm. Because I think the moon was on the other, the moon was already up somewhere else. Right, or like, right. you know. And then it wasn't, there's no way it was a star because it was just enormous compared to the way that stars look in the horizon. And then what really was amazing about this is that this light, so imagine the size of a quarter out on the horizon, like Mm -hmm. that size kind of object, right? All of a sudden, the thing basically turns into the size of a dime, changes color, goes from white to red. Okay. And then literally goes like... Just shoots out. Like... At a, the speed, like nothing you've ever seen before, right? Uh-huh. So again, imagine white light, size of about half the size of the moon on the horizon, then at some point shrinks intensely, turns red, and bolts off at a speed <laughs> that you have not seen ever on anything. Yeah. Now, it's the kind of thing you don't forget. So sure. I have seen something that I certainly cannot explain. How old were um, you? How, how old were I was you? 11 or 12, and my mm. brother would have been you know, 13 or 14, depending yeah. on if I was 11 or 12. I've had uh, my brother has shared with me a story that him and my cousin saw something while in Mexico that they they think is it was a UFO. Mm-hmm. So he described the whole story about it. Um, but I personally have never I've never encountered anything that I could, you know, consider that. Mm-hmm. Was there drinking involved in your cousin's story? Uh, I don't remember. They could have been. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't recall what you know what was the context of of when they saw this. But they 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 were also had a very vivid kind of experience where like it was a group of them that all saw it at the same time. So yeah. it was, it was a case where they both saw it and, and definitely did not, could not explain what it was. Um, but it was, I think I want to remember, if I remember correct, I think it was more than one that they saw yeah. at, at a time. Which is actually one of the cases that we're going to talk about is yeah, a recent yeah, yeah. one has like a dozen or so simultaneous, yeah, 14, yeah, 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 yeah. 14 objects simultaneously. But it, it is such an obsession, right? That we've had, I think for a very long time trying to answer the question, are we alone in this universe? And, and it's everything in, you know, film and, and, you know, shows. Sure. Um, you know, the, I'm I'm sure you recall, and I mean I reread about it because it was I don't forget what year this happened. What the whole um, uh, radio show of the war, uh, the war of the worlds, war of the worlds. That's yeah. right. And how much hysteria it actually caused. People thought it was it was really taking place. Yeah, imagine but that. that was kind of, like, that's crazy, way, that's, right? Like that was a little bit of a messed up thing, right? Because that is a I mean, messed up thing. Because I mean, now we have all these disclaimers, and you're about to it's, it's like, like advertorial, <laughs> right? Or it's you, you know, and then this one was like just a straight up radio station, radio show, yeah, and then the guy starts saying show. we're being invaded. And it's like, yeah, people are going to freak out. So I kind of understood that. I think that I, might I happen totally today. Get that. I, yeah, totally I mean, on get some that. level, maybe a much smaller version of it. But imagine that how freaky that would have been. Crazy. Crazy. And, and, and especially, in, you know, if you think about the context of that time where the, the modes of communication were so limited. Well, that, yeah. That you could only go off of what you were hearing and you had no idea whether or not, you couldn't you couldn't go through a secondary source to verify, right? You couldn't just go on Twitter and say, hey, is this BS or what's going on? We've been talking about the power of podcasting and the whole idea of theater of the mind, right. which gets created with images. But imagine the images that get created into your point, the context of people who don't have that much sure, like media stimuli. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I couldn't imagine how, how it would have been that day, right? It would have been interesting. Would have been something to talk about. A lot of people just running out of their houses, I guess, screaming. Yeah, what's for going sure. On? For sure. So this, I think this topic is a really interesting one, especially because, as, as you sort of teased out, there's so much of this that has been coming out recently, right? But the law got kicked off by like a, a report that's coming due, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, as part of the COVID relief bill that was signed back in December by uh, former, uh, president, former Trump. president Trump. I was going to say outgoing President Trump. See, I was trying to be a little bit nicer. 
Um, there was actually a request that was included in this in this uh, bill uh, to the Pentagon that they had to brief Congress on all that it knows about unidentified flying objects within 180 days. By the way, if you want to understand the idea of pork, which is packaging things into bills that have no relation right. to what the driver actually is, COVID relief, including a briefing from the Pentagon to Congress about flying objects. But, but, How, connect those two for me. Well, and look, uh, completely unrelated, of course. But I think this is a, now a separate subject, but I will go on a tangent hard on this one. It speaks to the inefficiencies that we have currently in our, in our government. That, in our, that so little law gets actually passed. It's so hard to get anything passed through Congress, right? It's all posturing. It's all basically talking shit about the other side, regardless. But they don't. no one does anything. There's very few laws that get passed. There's very few compromise that whenever anything has a chance of getting through, that you try to jam-pack it with crap yeah. because you know that it's about the shots to make of it. it's about to get getting in. passed, it's so slim. Yeah. Right? That's my frustration. Like, look, uh, Well, but I actually think that it's different, though. I actually think when they think there's a chance a thing will pass, that's when they go, oh, this one's got a chance. Let's add the stuff we want. Well, that, that's what I mean, because yeah. there's so little things that actually pass. Right. There's so little law that actually saying. even makes it across. Right. right? So they I see mean, it, and it's like, we got a winner. We better put all of every, our crap in it. Everything's locked in right now. I mean, yeah. we have Congresses that just sit there arguing with each other, and then the, the best thing will be that people will pass their own laws on 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 Congress or or the House, knowing full well that it's never going to make it the other side. And it's like, see, we did something, and it's those guys aren't doing anything. Like the whole thing is a big sham. Well, I'm, now we've got I'm, I'm uh, very upset. Pre- you know, we've got government by executive action, executive. Uh, well, order, that's that's so what that's, it's turned into, right? Yeah. The problem with that is that because it's such a flimsy way and crappy way to to govern, the second the the next administration comes in, they could just immediately undo whatever the last president did because yeah. there was actually no laws being passed. But I put it more, you could say is a problem is a, is a follow the presidents. Yeah. And as you can see that, you know, president Trump took it to a whole other level in terms of what executive actions were and, and Biden's coming in and, and stepping it up and trying to undo those. But to me, the bigger issue is not so much the presidents in this case is the lack of, of, of actual work that the, the house and Congress can actually have at this point because of the current rules that, that it has in place. When you when you require what is it six uh, is it um, uh, sixty five sixty six is it sixty in votes? the Senate yeah in the Senate in sixty the Senate, votes right sixty yeah yeah but you need to pass both sides right right and like here you get sent sixty people uh, to agree on anything that requires at least some portion of the other side of the camp to agree to I think it's so unlikely at this point so it's maybe so we can unlikely. get them to agree on flying saucers yeah maybe. So, but but it was so interesting that they they kind of to your point the the pork packing is what they call it right uh, got included. What was interesting here it was that not actually part of the text of the law itself, right? So it was it was a comment from the Senate Intelligence Committee, which attached a portion of the package funding uh, intelligence operations, which asked the Director of National Intelligence to consult with other top defense officials and spy chiefs to submit a report on. Unidentified aerial phenomena, which is a new name, the UAP, right? Mm. Which has also been known as as UFOs, within six months. Well, those six months are not due, right? That report itself from uh, the the Pentagon is actually due um, uh, to Congress by June 25th, right? Now, what's been interesting here, and we've seen it, is like leading up to this report, there's been a growing number of both UAP sightings that have been disclosed, but also confirmed by the military. And a ton of news items, too. It's yeah, for sure. Just preparing for this story, we some found like 30 <laughs> on the last week. For sure. So it was reported by CNN, and we'll just talk about a, a couple of them right here. So um, here's a, a few that, that have been coming up recently. So last month, investigative filmmaker Jeremy Corbell. Who's been on Rogan's show a number yeah, of times. So, by the way, Joe Rogan loves <laughs> to yeah. talk about UFOs. So those guys are always talking about this. So he released a video of a, of a sphere-shaped aircraft 
that was dashing side to side, caught on camera from the USSS Omaha off the San Diego coast in July 2019, so, so two years ago, right? Uh, now, according to Corbell, he said that the thing appears to drop into the water, a transmedium vehicle, right? So it was able to fly and then goes into the water. And there was a submarine sent and nothing was found. No wreckage, no destruction, right? So potentially a ship that could also navigate under, underneath water. He also released radar footage last week from the same event showing the Omaha swarmed by as many as 14 UAPs, right? Or UFOs. Uh, and by the way, these have now been confirmed as authentic by the Department of Defense. Right? Authentically un- unidentified. Right. Meaning that it, authentic meaning authentic that it happened. Right. Like the, now, they the, don't know the what it is. The footage is not doctored. This the is something is that was actually correct, captured correct. by the USS that, that was a, by itself a, a point of confusion for some folks. Like, oh, we confirmed that they're, they're extraterrestrial, that, that they're you yep. know, aliens. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Just authentic. The videos themselves are authentic, right? Mm-hmm. There was also another video that shows night vision footage of a triangle-shaped UAP flying about 700 feet above the USS Russell. Um, and I think another one that I think he was also on Joe Rogan, the retired U.S. Navy chief master at arms, Sean Cahill, says he witnessed this tic-tac-shaped uh, UAP in That's 2004 the one that I, yeah. while aboard uh, the USS uh, Princeton off the Southern California coast, right? And these things all have a lot in common. One of them is this um, idea of a form of locomotion, of movement, at least visually to the eye. That is unlike the kind of locomotion that we have the physics and engineering right. capability to create, right? So right. he says transmedium, but the idea is like something that flies as well in air as it might go underwater. Yeah. And that. some other and movements that are too rapid from one point to another that don't even indicate propulsion. They don't right. indicate right, right, right. That's and so some like, of the things that they've yeah, these exactly. kind of crazy things where if you if you're in an airplane and you're trying to go faster, there's a period of lag when you like hit yeah. the afterburner and the things like you know and like starts moving forward against all of the you know matter and atoms and everything in the air but these things seem to move like one second they're here one second they're here kind of very effortlessly yeah and i think the part that is interesting is from a technology standpoint like let's even even talk about our just really quickly our own technology right when you think about the the you know the zero to 60 speed that a tesla can now do versus what cars you know typical engine cars you know 20 years ago, we're able to do. It's night and day, right? The the lack of lag, to your point, in an electric car versus what was the traditional Internal in, combustion. Yeah, combustion uh, car is just, it's such a, a game changer, right? So you could think about, fast forward, you know, 500 years, what would that look like, right? So that's where some of these things becomes really interesting. And like, if, if it's just a civilization that is and that many are, years ahead sure. of where we are, sure. you know, what would that look like? And those are the deeper questions, but the logic, it's not illogical. In other it's words, not, yeah. in other words, the idea of like, you can always create something that could go one step further, be a bit smaller, you know, it's almost like numbers, right? You can right. always add one and go one more higher, right? So it's like the, there yeah. is a sense of at least understanding the linear progression of technology and also the fact that each technological innovation helps accelerate the next one. Yeah, you see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like it kind of that, cuts That's what out. makes it a kind of fun conversation, frankly, is, mm-hmm. like, is, is when you start thinking about that, right? And you start looking at your own history that we've had uh, in terms of our ability, to your point, of move forward technology, right? You know, just... A uh, hundred years ago, what was the technology like compared to what it is now, right? A hundred uh, years ago, 1921, we were, I mean, we were still mostly like horseless carriages. I yeah, mean, trains was like you're probably like your, trains, your, your main mode of transportation across the country. Cars were just right? recently introduced, not available to everybody. Very rare. I mean, that's airplane, commercial like, travel, uh, the airplane travel, air flight had just happened 10 years or 15 years before. Commercial yeah. air travel wouldn't happen for another 30 years. I mean, this is... That's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Right? So in, in, in a lifetime, just think about... 
we were just talking about, you know, a few weeks ago about um, the, the the Tulsa Race Massacre, right? And we're saying, hey, look, for some people, they actually were alive when this happened. A hundred years ago, they're still alive now. So from that perspective, it's still, you know, it's actually not that long of a time. But in all these incidents, I think still the main question remains, like, what exactly are these UAPs, right? Uh, are they optical illusions? Are they some kind of top secret domestic technology, right? Or, or foreign or a foreign threat for that matter? Or something that is not of this world, right? Does it does it concern you, or what do you make of the military's more recent vintage of transparency? Meaning that, you know, decades earlier there was this kind of idea that well, whatever's going on, they're going to hide it, and you had the whole thing in Area Fifty One, and yeah, and now it just seems like you know we're getting a lot of this data from the military themselves um, well, directly. Th- what 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 is that about? What what's, but I think what's it that changed? I mean, I think the only thing I could think of that has changed is this specific um, you know request that was included in this bill that this is now many information is going to be disclosed anyway by Congress or or to Congress. I'm sorry, by the Pentagon that is maybe has reduced the motivation to keep it secret if it's going to come out anyway. Mm. I mean, I, I don't, other than that, I mean, I don't know because these these have definitely scaled up they a have, lot for over sure. the last six months. Like, for sure. For sure. And a lot more transparency to your point about saying, hey, yeah, we've actually confirmed this is, we don't know what it is. Yeah. Like, this is why it's un- unidentified. On some level, you could imagine at least the, the, the presupposition that the people can't handle this kind of data, so we're going to keep it from them, right? Like yeah. back in the day, 40s and Which 50s, is, yeah. back in the War of the Worlds. Look what happened with War of the Worlds. We can't show these guys this little spaceship. They're going to kill right. them. Exactly. And I think now there's, a, from a, just a cultural standpoint, maybe less of that sense yeah. of like we have to we can't keep this from people because they're going to find out. I, I don't know, but I, I, think I don't think it's just six months. I think you have to, it goes back maybe five, six years, but it's very recent, this idea it's, of like seeing definitely videos wrapped up. from Navy and yeah, all sorts yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was interesting. So there was a 2018 Chapman University uh, study, right, where they looked at how people, you know, what they believe as it relates to, to aliens, et cetera. And in that study, they found that 41.4% of Americans believe that extraterrestrials have visited Earth at some time or another. There's another 35% who believe they've done so, uh, but in recent times. It's a big number. That's a big number. That's a big number. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's going beyond uh, UAPs. That's saying now these are alien Correct. extraterrestrial life uh, forces. Right. Have or you know beings have come to this earth. Well, four out of ten people. Although you know, I know we make the distinction between a UAP and an alien necessarily, but I think for most people, they still see them as kind of one of the same, thing. right? Like, yeah, the reason we don't know what it is is probably because it's an alien. Well, but I guess wh- what percentage would people think that this is just a technology that is possessed by an enemy of the states that we don't? Yeah, for have? sure. So that could be maybe that's the remainder. Maybe right? that's the maybe majority. That's the sixty percent, right? The other, the other sixty percent. Um, now, p- part of this, by the way, also comes from people just convinced that the government has been hiding secrets about alien visitors, right? To your point, uh, such as the, the alien spaceship crash, right, that happened in, in, to your point in Roswell. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens here when people are not given information, they just, you know, tend to fill in the gaps. Um, and there is a definitely a pop culture obsession with alien life or as, as I think of a life in the stars, a.k.a. Star Wars, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. a big one. And we, we talked about the old classic War of the Worlds, but there's a bunch of films that are here. Like, um, what's it called? Uh, the one with the, the, the music is like Alien, uh, something of the third kind, like Visit of the oh, Third yeah, Kind. Oh, yeah, You know what I'm talking yeah, about? That's uh, a, Close Encounters. Close Encounters of the Third Kind from the 70s. A mm-hmm. great film. Yeah, of course. Right? Um, there's so many That's films around, around aliens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and that, John Williams, the b- great combination of people. Oh, is mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Um, so there's so much there that I think people have been obsessing about what it, what it means. Because I think a lot of it is for us, like, what does it mean about our life, the, the, the role that we play, right? The, our level of importance. 
And I think also part of that also comes from this fear that if someone is here, then what does that mean for us? And when you look at our own history of as humans, of of parts of humans seeing other humans that are have less technology, the outcome is never good for those humans that have less technology. Mm-hmm. At least hasn't been in this in this era. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that also comes from that fear of what actually happens if someone comes in because for, for them to be able to visit us, their technology has to be so much better than ours. Otherwise, we would have found them first. Yeah, there's so many interesting theories. There's about, so much there, right? About you know if they if there is other life um, on other planets, and there seems to be some sense that they're coming here to explore or experiment or better understand us. And I mean, I guess that follows in the sense that we do the same with lower life forms, if assuming sure. they're super advanced. So like we do the same with animals and other things, and look at them and want to study them and know how they work and examine. And so well, I we guess that, the, the that Mars rover, right, going going mm-hmm. there, and they're literally are trying to find any kinds of signs of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we have better technology, we would be able to go further. But it would probably, probably the same same type of thing in terms of exploration and trying to better understand if there has been life there. What would that look like? Mm-hmm. So you can, that all kind of makes sense. Um, the, the the part that that I also thought was really interesting is the role that science has specifically played in in thinking about the likelihood that there's actually other life in this universe, right? So, in looking at that, one of the things that we that I that I sort of pulled up and and, and put this together is is of course the you know well, some may be familiar with the Drake equation, right? Which was this 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 equation that was that was put together, figuring out what year it was. Um, Maybe 1914, something like that. Okay, can't help uh, you with that. Yeah, early 20th have, century. All right. Yeah, it was. It was pretty early on. Uh, I I don't have it here in front of me, but anyways, which which basically was meant to address the the answer the question of of uh, the number of advanced civilizations that were likely to exist in the galaxy. Right hmm. now, to that Drake equation, there's 1961. 1960. Oh, way later. Way later. By was, Frank Drake. Yeah, I was not even nowhere close. Uh, okay. And I just read it not that long ago. <laughs> Dr. Frank Drake. But what's mm-hmm. really interesting, though, I, that I found is that there's actually been new research by Adam Frank and Woodruff Sullivan, which offered a kind of a new version of the, of the equation to address a slightly different question, which is what is the number of advanced civilization likely to have developed over the history of the observable universe, right? Which is a little bit, which is a little bit different question. And I found this quote that was fascinating by one of the researchers, um, um, by Woodruff Sullivan, where he said, look, the universe is more than 13 billion years old. That means that even if we had been, even if there have been a thousand civilizations in our own galaxy, if they live only as long as we have been around, roughly 10,000 years, then all of them are likely already extinct. And others won't even won't evolve until we are long gone. So for us to have much of a chance of success in finding another contemporary active technological civilization on average, they must last a lot much longer than, than our present lifetime. So this idea that even so if there even, is... even if there is, we're I, not going to really come across them or find them. Yeah, and, a little bit of that, right? Like the likelihood of us actually seeing other life at the same time is it's so uh, unlikely because of when you think about the broad sort of time that has passed where this universe has been around well when you think in these yeah, geologic it's, it's time so interesting scales, we think about it of that like in that perspective right when when you think about in these kind of geologic time scales of like millions and billions of years right it's just at a whole nother level when you consider just how little time we mm. have been here right so it's a very interesting thought Super like interesting. there could have been 10 million of them and honestly we just would not have interfaced with them given the fact that you know, this is so vast a place. Number one, the universe is enormous. Right. Our galaxy by itself is light years across. And then within that, you're talking about scales of time that are yeah. massive, right? So we wouldn't have even necessarily come across them, even if there's been thousands of them. But 
if you do come across them. Because I think the question here, which is really what he's bringing up, which is like they will have to have lived as a civilization so much longer So already, much longer. Which if we think about it going back to what we were talking earlier about. They would have been that much more technology, advanced. Like so much more advanced. Yeah, you know? so that kind of follows. It maybe reinforces it, that that theory. Like, um, you know, we, we the mentioned, that there is yeah, a, yeah. We mentioned a little bit about Joe Rogan earlier. One of the things that he always talks about is that, and I don't agree with him, but but I think it's an interesting thought, which is like, he saw a thing like, yeah, but if aliens are visiting us, like, wouldn't we be so like uninteresting to them? Because by the time for them to be able to engage, they're yeah. so much further ahead in terms of their, you know, where they are in their life journey as yeah. a civilization, their technology, that we're nothing but... And and the thing, the question becomes like, but no, because at the same time, we get pretty interested in things that are. Well, so that was my point earlier. You know that you are, that to, are you, that are not as advanced, of course, because you yeah. understand how life is. You know, happens with this. You know, right? Where he where he's right is the the fact that we say, well, you know, we're interested in insects and bugs and whatever that are lower. Therefore, if someone existed, they would be light years more advanced than we. They presumably would be interested in us. That does presuppose one thing, which is that people, other civilizations of people would have the same kind of thought processes as we do. Sure. Meaning yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's you fair. know, but if you just look at it again, governed by the same kind of laws of physics and logic and rationality that we understand, it makes sense that things progress from lower order to higher. So therefore... If I have mastery over one kind of technology that's more basic and I add to it, I would be interested in kind of looking at the older so I could build upon it. Right. So, but it does, it does mean that you're subscribing to a way of knowledge yeah, and yeah, epistemology yeah, yeah, yeah. and all these different things. Which, which you kind of have to like... That you, you have to make some assumptions. Make some right. assumptions, but also assumptions could be like, they can have just a complete perspective of what yeah. the world is, you know? Um, what do you, what do you think this stuff is? Well, I, look, I think that the, the likelihood that there is other life in this universe, mm-hmm. in my mind, is super high. Mm-hmm. When you think about the, the the size of the universe, number of stars, you know, the combination that is required, while it's a very specific combination, I think because of just the vast size of it, I think the likelihood that's happened more than once, is, I think it's pretty high. Um, as it relates to these, these you know, UFOs or UAPs, um, I don't, I don't know what to think of it. I think in some part of me believes like, yeah, I mean, I, I think there is a likelihood that this is, um, you know, maybe not of this world. By the way, that's assuming that it's not technology. I also don't completely discount the fact that there is some technologies that many times people are the last ones to find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially things that are, you know, although some of the things that we're just talking about, just, they just seem so... Radically advanced. So radically advanced that it becomes a little bit hard to justify. Like, really? Is that, also, could that be kind of the case? There's right? also a group within that group that says that this might be technology from a, a competing world power or something. There's a group within that that says, and we have it too, but we just don't know. In other words, like, right. this is the real top secret tech that we're just seeing the, say, Chinese or Russian version of because our people won't show us a, that we've got the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it exists in all places, but we're only seeing it because it's our enemy and we happen to spot them as opposed to our people just showing us what it is that they're right. building. There's a subgroup there that, that, that believes that. Right, right. So I, I think the, the fact that it could be aliens, by the way, I should not to go too much of a deep end, but what if it's us? What is what? What if it's just us, just from a different time period? What if it's a, like a time thing? Yeah. Like a time travel thing? Sure. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Wouldn't that be... I mean, if we think of the realms of possibility, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I guess what's more unlikely? Mm-hmm. 
right? Because as, as much of this, depending on who you, you know, some of the scientists you look at in their point of view, some believe that, no, it wouldn't be. I was mentioning to you that I was, I was watching the, the interview with... Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he's a pretty strong believer that, no, this, this, this is not alien technology. I mean, he, he t- talks about all the reasons why it couldn't be the case, right? Because of how far the, the, they do have to travel, et cetera, to, for it to be the case. So he thinks it has a very natural human origin to the extent that the phenomenon can be identified. He doesn't know what it is, and he's like in the camp, like, until we have some proof of what it may be, sure. I don't think that it is that. There, we, I don't think we have enough proof to say that it is alien, right? Yeah. So, Look, I think for me, the likelihood that all of the appearances, these known phenomenon, all of these people signing affidavits throughout decades and decades and decades, that they're all just one giant hoax or just a comic joke or whatever it may be, highly unlikely that so many people are involved in that kind of just, you know, bad behavior or just, you know, trying to trick people so or or just fake it for some other reason. So I think that the likelihood that all of it is um, that there's not some source of truth or genuineness in it is pretty pretty slim. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, the most important you know questions for me are generally theological ones, and so you know how you reconcile that with yeah, that was my know, question for you. Like yeah, how you reconcile the idea of, of but, civilization. But, but in, in your yeah. your perspective, do you do you think that there is aliens? Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that it's actually civilizations from other, mm-hmm. other planets. Um, I do believe in other beings because, you sure. know, I'm a Christian, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, yeah. I believe that, that there are things like angels, and I believe that, you know, God can allow something to become manifest that looks like something amazing in the sky and moves amazingly strangely, and it could just be a way that, you know, God is allowing something to give someone a source of wonder, or encouragement, or mystery, or who but, knows. But when you saw that, that By the way, that's not kid, my theory for that. I'm just saying that is a possibility yeah, yeah, yeah. that that's just, within the Christian curious, worldview. But, but when you saw that as a kid, what was your first kind of what, what did your head go in terms of what you thought that was actually was? It was, I mean, there was there was some initial fear and trepidation because sure. it's bizarre. You never see anything like that. Uh, yeah, no, my initial thought was that was a UFO. I mean, this would have been. I mean, look, this would have been like, you know, a couple of years after Return of the Jedi. So we're well-schooled in Star Wars <laughs> yeah, by, that, yeah, exactly. by that time. And I remember seeing like those Imperial cruisers go to light speed and it was like that kind of movement. <laughs> so I, yeah, even, yeah, I yeah. even had a modality to attach it to. Yeah, you know what I mean? Of course. So that's what I would have thought about. But, um, and, and, you know, just a quick shout out to my friend Jimmy Aiken, who's got a podcast called Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. If you ever want to reconcile... Um, things like UFOs and aliens and everything from with a faith perspective, I would recommend his show because he does an incredible job of laying out how things are sometimes can be consistent with those beliefs and other times can be inconsistent. But just to summarize the perspective, there's nothing inconsistent uh, with being a Christian. And if there were beings in another galaxy or another world, how that would not come uh, into conflict with a Christian understanding. So mm-hmm. there's no reason, like there's not a faith reason to keep me necessarily from believing that there's other sure. you know, civilizations. I definitely am there in terms of this isn't all a hoax. People are not all of them lying, right. not right. all of them faking it. I just yeah. can't believe that. It just doesn't make any sense mathematically. But what all of them are, I think you have to put into different categories. Um, and one of those categories, at least, is something that is either preternatural or perhaps supernatural in in characteristics that is, you know, that is, at least to my mind, something I, I don't know what it is. But it's not a balloon. It's not tech from China. It's it's another right. thing. And I do believe what that there is that thing. I'm just not exactly sure what it is at this yeah. point. Yeah, I think my point of view is that I definitely believe that there is other life in this universe. Mm-hmm. In terms of what has been viewed whether they're, you know, what what they actually are. 
I'm I'm not necessarily convinced that there is necessarily aliens, but that it can be alien technology. I think that there is, in my mind, a higher likelihood that it is the case. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether or not they're they're manned or not. As a, and I would actually I would make an argument that the more advanced that technology is, the, the less, less it actually requires it to be manned. And right? we've seen that in our own development. But again, we do that now, right? Like right. that's that's kind of the point. Like, that's so the evolution could of warfare. Drones that are being sent the evolution out, of warfare, yeah. Right. So I, I think that's a much more higher likelihood that, that is the case, at least you know, from my perspective. Hmm. Interesting. Well, apparently there's going to be lots of. Uh, but so June twenty fifth. June twenty fifth. Two days it's, before my birthday. It's, it's, this is like a nice birthday gift that I'm getting. I'm it's super all excited. Down. It's going to take you six weeks to read it, but it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited to see what they say can't wait what would be the next covid relief bill there'll be a you know who knows a, a clinic on uh underwater basket weaving analysis or something that's right that's but, right uh, all right well fun, fun stuff fun stuff let's move on then to courage or cringe courage, courage or cringe is this our first kamala harris uh subject uh, or have we, we i don't know i don't i don't remember but uh, she's had a interesting. I'm couple guessing weeks. it won't be the last. It won't just be based on this on this one. It subject. won't be the last. So we've got our VP. We've got high school students and their prom right. uh, getting marked, and we've got Texas oh, building their own Texas. wall. Texas for sure. Texas won't be the last time. It definitely T- won't Texas be the last will be time. a common theme. I think that we, well, that we, we always, bring up. We always talk about your home state. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so let, let's go back to Kamala. So courage or cringe? Uh-huh. While on her first international trip uh, to look into the root causes of migration. Kamala Harris defends not going to the border by saying that she also hasn't gone to Europe. So that seems mm-hmm. rational. Mm-hmm. Um, so as reported by CNN and many other people. CNN um, was the most gentle reporter. Yeah, it probably. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris' first foreign trip you know, since taking office may not have been a raving success. I love right? that. I love the start to that, that story, by the way, because I read the same thing. May not have been a raving success. May not have been. Still yeah. could have been a possible success. Partial so, success. Saying, it wasn't a success. It wasn't a total but, rave. It was right. a partial rave. So she did a two-day swing through Mexico and Guatemala to explore some of the root causes of the growing immigration, you know, issue that the administration has been struggling with. Uh, however, it wasn't so much what she did, but more of what she said, right? That so, got all the attention. Yeah, exactly, right? So she did an interview with Lester Holt, where he very, very gently pressed her on why she had not visited the border. Which, look, and and this is one that I'm sure many people have heard that this has been a, a common uh, criticism of the administration, specifically targeted at, at Kamala uh, definitely a, a talking point has been pushed very hard on the right, but so it's the kind of thing that you would be would need to be prepared to answer in all scenarios, and delivered by by the probably the most gentle person to give it to her. Right, it like was practically super, a massage. It was like a a lovely Swedish rub exactly. Down so interview. so to the question, the VP responded. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, you know, we are going to going to the border. We've been to the border. So this whole whole thing about the border. We've been to the border. We've been to the border. Yes. Right? To which Holt responded, well, you haven't been to the border. <laughs> I know. She says we've been to the border uh, eight times. It's like, but wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, there's a lot of, a lot of people in you we. You got a mouse in your pocket? <laughs> exactly. And she responded, which is classic, classic response. I, I and, and I haven't been to Europe. I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. <laughs> So Lester Holt says, you haven't been to the border. She says, well, I haven't been to Europe. Almost right. like... That's true. Mm-hmm. I haven't baked cupcakes today either. So what mm-hmm. are we talking about here, right? And then she continues to say, "Look, I'm not discounting the importance of the border." And of course, she gets into like more focus on the root cause, etc. But it was obviously a big, big missed opportunity uh, to like address some of this very common talking point. Now, later on in that trade, while realizing that her answer had become a distraction. 
when she was asked again about a border visit by CNN, the VP responded, yes, I will, right? Like she is going to go. Although also, although in that response also reinforced her position that you need to look at the root causes of the problem if you want to address the border situation. Did right? you ever see, did you see the Univision uh, interview that she did right around the same time? I think it was right after Lester Holt. No, I didn't. That one was also very interesting. I know we didn't cover it here, but she she says, um, the woman asked her, you know, when are you going to go to the border? And she gives a similar kind of response, but there's a little bit of lag between the, the anchor and her. So as she's talking, the anchor then asks another question and there's that like two second, you know, pause between the feeds or whatever. And so the voice comes into uh, to Vice President uh, Harris's earphone as she's beginning to talk, and she just was not having it. She was like, she got frazzled right from the interruption, and she said, "I'm not done." And it was like all over the place. There's headlines all over. Oh, it. I didn't see that. Yeah, about uh, about her getting frazzled. But it was the same thing. It was like, when are you going to go? And or are you going to go? Right, I will. But then, when are you going? And that's when she got. She got miffed. I mean, uh, frankly, not not surprised. I mean, I think the we obviously we're going to talk about it, but her handling of of these kind of, of issues it's just it's just not good. Like especially that kind of question that is so expected. Now, by the way, but to finish this, according to the White House press secretary Jen, do you say Saki? Saki, you don't say Jen the, Saki. The, you don't say the P at all. Okay, Jen Saki. What she said, like, what her focus has been, what the assignment is specifically, is to work with leaders in the Northern Triangle, which is Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. She's on a trip doing exactly that, exactly what the president asked her to do. And that part, I mean, we can disagree or not about how she's saying it, but at least it's a strategy. That, that is her assignment. Um, now, her focus on this trip is on meeting with leaders, having discussion about how to address corruption, how to address the root causes, how to work together to address humanitarian challenges in these countries. That's exactly what she's doing on the ground, and I'm sure she'll report back to the president when she returns, right? So there's a difference between what the strategy is and what her task is versus just completely botching this this question that is extremely expected at this point, being that it has been a big talking point, and once again, being presented by probably the the best version of, the, of presenting this, this question. Because you know if it had been someone from Fox News or any other, other network would not have been as nice about pushing them much, much harder and still being frazzled by that. I, I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand the what feels like just not being prepared, like being not not living up to the moment. And and it's something that of someone that of course has been somewhat uh deemed as as the next in line uh of taking on the presidency if, you know, uh, Joe Biden does decides not to run again. Um but anyways I'm I'm already getting into my my I just there was so much of this that I just I cringe so much about the entire thing. So yeah, I already went cringe. <laughs> I can't even get to the courage of cringe. It, it was just so much of it is cringing. It's so cringing. Yeah, it even is. though I agree with looking at the root cause, I think well, that's important. And I think, and I think is, looking yeah. at the the Northern Triangle is super important because when you when you talk when you, when you talk about a lot of the border situation that you've seen, the humanitarian issue that is created, especially people that are looking coming out here trying to trying to get um um you know basically trying trying to come into come into, come into the country. A lot of them are fleeing these countries where the situation has been just terrible for such a long time. Yeah. You know, so trying to see as to what can be done to solve these issues, to try to address some of the problems that have been in these countries for such a long time, I, I think it is pretty important. The, having this as a courage or cringe is the kind of Lester Holt, it's the Lester Holt equivalent of uh, courage or cringe in the sense that it's such an easy softball slam dunk. It's a total 
cringe. I mean, the whole thing. Her defending not going to the border by saying she also hasn't gone to Europe. I mean, it's yeah, completely there's... fall flat on your face, and here's how to do it, step-by-step guide. Now, here's the interesting thing. So we agree that it's a cringe. The interesting thing to me is, why is it so hard to say, A, I'm going, and B, when I'm going? And the best that I can think about just trying to sort of teleport myself into that White House and understand what it is that they're doing is they've nailed so hard this strategic piece about we have to find the root cause. Then anything that suggests that somehow you're no longer focused on finding the root cause, i.e. like spending a little bit of time in Brownsville or something, that that would be ammunition for the opposition. That's the only thing I can think of. Because in other words, that or, or related to our third courage or cringe, something having to do with having to pick which border town to visit and like skipping Texas and like, Creating, I, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of what would be, because you, you could say, a, yeah. I, why couldn't you say, look, our strategy, which is what they said, our strategy is we're going to look at the root cause. We're going to go to these, these countries. Mm-hmm. They're coming here for a reason. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. We're going to figure it out. We're going to try to help them out. Right? Yes. Got it. Perfect. And when somebody says, hey, by the way, we've got a something like 10x increase in illegal uh, you know, crossings and mm-hmm. people in these border towns are freaking out and there's this humanitarian crisis on the other side. Are you going to go visit that? Yes, I am. Because I can chew gum and walk at the same time. We're going to do this and here's the date when I'll be there. But at the same time, I'm not taking my eyes off the big picture. The big picture is this. And yes, we're going to go and of course visit with our, our, like, why can't you do that? And to me, the nearest I can think of is it's super political, and it's well, I don't want to say— it's super political, but, but, but I, don't you think maybe part of this could be—because I, I agree with you. It is a little bit perplexing as to why the hesitation of, of going to and visiting this real problem that is happening. They know that it's a problem. They know they've been struggling with the border situation. Do you think it's all about—they just don't want to have the, the photo op of ha- showing Kamala Harris— yeah. Basically, next to yeah, the governor. chaos, next to the like the issues that are there, you know, what it reminds me of I was I was listening to uh, uh, floodlines. I tell you about this the podcast did, that yeah. basically is about uh, Katrina, right? And it, it it talked about the response that the the you know FEMA had mm-hmm. that at the time it was uh, President Bush, uh, uh, who was who was uh, who was president, right? Uh, George Bush, um, George Herbert Walker, yes. the first one. No, no, oh, no. Oh, George W. George W. Yeah, George W. Bush, who was who was president, and he talked about that instead of visiting, what he did, he did a fly a flyover, right? So he could t- <laughs> wave from the window. Yeah, like to see What's it, up? but like fly over to see the situation. But he didn't actually come there to, like, imagine. And then later on, he got a pressure. Then he decided he had to come, mm-hmm. right? But imagine, like, the, they must have felt like it was such a bad optics. To show up and, and, yeah, and see I this guess. third world, like what looked like now a third world country. Because you kind of own it when you're there. That's probably what it is. And that's what, that's what I'm... But don't af- you think that's so terrible? It like, is terrible. Of like, course, that's what I think it is. Look, the, the reality of it is, is from <sighs> the Q4 of 2020, which is basically the last quarter that um, President Trump was in office, to May of 2021, the um, encou- law enforcement encounters with migrants at the southern border have gone from about 72,000 a month to about 180,000 a month. Right. So it's an enormous increase. And I realize that, like any problem, which I agree with, 
Interestingly, a lot of folks on the left side of the political spectrum don't often take this let's look at the root cause approach, but I agree with it as, as I do in most cases. Here, we should look at what's causing this stuff, but I just really believe that we can say, hey, yeah, we get it. 72000 to 180000 a month, that's a big jump. A lot of these are children. It's not okay. We're going to deal with it. We're going to give you some relief, but know that no matter how much relief we give you here— it doesn't fix it unless we fix it at the source and get get them, the people maybe you, f- right. you find or your political opposition to agree to that. Like this is an opportunity missed on a number of different levels from my standpoint. And, and part of it, the reality is no matter what you think of the policy, right, wrong or otherwise, that the Biden administration has taken as a race immigration, they were going to see a big, a big jump just simply because it wasn't Trump. Mm-hmm. Because he had such a a strong and I would say vindictive position as it relates to immigration, mm-hmm. right? This whole thing about, and we'll get into the border wall conversation about having Mexico pay for it and mm-hmm. separation of families, having people wait on the other side of the border, even in case people were looking for refuge. Like there's all of these issues that were so drastic in the position to take that the moment that he's not in it, that people are like, oh, great. We have a better shot now, right? But I agree with you. Like it's such a right. bad position to take because then it looks like exactly what it is, that you are purposely avoiding it, not just physically, but not even avoiding the question. Like, this is why it makes this such a, a cringe thing, is not only are you avoiding actually visiting, but even the question itself, you don't even know how to address that. But I think the contrast with Trump also makes a lot of the things that we've seen recently in the last few weeks even more awkward, right? Which, like uh, Vice President Harris going to Guatemala and telling people there in their own country, don't come, Right. And that was, by the way, the response that I've seen, mm-hmm. especially the more liberal side of the of the conversation, being like, what the hell is this? Like, you were the one that, it, when you were running as VP, you were talking about that our arms are strong enough to support immigrants coming here. Like, we, we, you and I talked about this, uh, you know, uh, uh, offline, but it's just, it is very cringy across the board. Yeah. It's well, extremely look, I, cringy. I don't think we're going to be able to rehabilitate this uh, interview or her answers. I think we definitely agree with that one. I'm sure there'll be more. I'm saddened by the kind of politi- – the, the, the purely – I don't even say politics. The purely PR, seemingly PR rationale for this move, which is like I don't want to get the photo op – get to whoever it is that I right. don't want the photo op to be given to because that's the only thing I can, I can think and explain just simply saying, hey, guys, we're not going to take our eye off the ball. But we, of course, are going to be cognizant of the situation that's at the southern border. And I think I also, that's what's missed. I agree. I also think that this this trip is mm-hmm. um, it's just it's really damaging for, I think, Kamala Harris because, like, she's been already sort of pre-deemed as the next in line. And, but she needs to show that she can lead and, and, and even to handle the press, handle the ones that she should be able, like, be really prepared, well prepared to be able to, to address. And she's someone that struggled to get support while she was running. So it's not it's not one to yeah. known to get the masses to to love her to be behind her already, and getting the role which is an important one here and not and sort of responding this manner, I just think it's is really really concerning. Right now, it's not to say that the whole thing is undone, but you do a couple more of these, you also you may no longer be the next in line, mm-hmm. even if for whatever reason Biden decides not to run again because of age or whatever it may be, health maybe maybe the case. I just think it's 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 not a good look for her. It's pretty damaging. Agreed. What's so, next? N- courage or cringe, uh, we got the, the students uh, that were marked on their hands based on their vaccination status at their prom. This looks like a great start. We're marked what, high school students, right? High school students, correct, correct. Mm-hmm. So this is at their prom, right? So as reported by insiders, students from the New Hampshire high school that were attending prom were marked unvaccinated and vaccinated as part of their contact tracing efforts at the school, right? Now, according to State Representative Melissa Litchfield, 
who spoke with NBC Boston. She said, children were not vaccinated were written on in a black, uh, in black Sharpie on their hands. And those that were vaccinated has some type of red marker put on them. Got it. Um, then she continued to say, I'm just here because parents are afraid to speak up and they need a voice. And I understand. Right. By the way, <laughs> because we've heard some of this, why uh-huh. is black the color always associated with the negative thing, right? The not vaccinated were marked in black, and the ones who were were marked in some other color. Look, there's plenty to pick on on this story. I don't know if I'm going to focus on that one as the, as the area to pick on, Charlie. I'm, I'm trying to be controversial. Uh, in a Facebook post, she said that she received messages from parents about the contact tracing uh, system and quoted complaints. According to her, she said one person said that they felt that the school was literally branding our kids if they didn't get the approved, in air quotes, approved vaccines. Mm-hmm. Now, according to the school principal, Mike Monahan, he said in a statement, look, our students' and parents' feedback has been extremely positive regarding the prom experience. Oh, I'm sure. We are aware that some concerns have been expressed that students were singled out or had their privacy violated. We made every effort possible while adhering to contact tracing guidelines to ensure that this does not happen. We hope the community will understand that while no model is perfect, this model let the students enjoy a close to normal and highly desired experience to cap off their senior year. That's a memory we want them to leave uh, to, to, to leave them with. Um, Can you remember when you were in high school and like it was not unusual for somebody if they didn't drive themselves, maybe their parent had to drop them off or the kid would say, you know, drop me off down the street. I don't want anybody to see me getting dropped off by my parent, right? Or your aunt gives you some shirt for your birthday, but it's not the cool shirt. And you're like, I'm never going to wear that because I don't want to be uncool. Now, imagine that same kind of context. And I know the world has changed since I was in high school. I get it. But now you've been marked For your prom, you have a thing that somebody put Sharpie. This is not like wear a band that you can tear off. A Sharpie on your hand Mm -hmm. that says whether or not you've been vaccinated. That I mean, the currency that you're creating, the social currency that you're creating, the dynamic that you're enabling in this scenario of young people, I mean, to me is like, isn't that like, uh, uh, what do you call it, incendiary? Like, I mean, I guess the the thing about this, about this, this, this topic is that, the outrage mm-hmm. was primarily expressed by the senator, not senator, by, by the by the state representative, right? Who is Republican and Litchfield, and, and is, is running again for, of course, to to get to be uh, um, to get her seat back in uh, next year, right? Mm-hmm. What state is this in? Hang on a second. Oh, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, there yeah, wasn't yeah. a lot of, and maybe there is, and we just didn't see it in this piece. There wasn't a lot from the students. Well, according to the principal, everything's fine. It was extremely positive. We got great feedback. A couple concerns here or there. Students were singled out and their privacy was val- violated, but, you know, we did everything we could. That's kind of what he says. It. I'm not sure I 100% buy that level of uh, how innocuous it all was, but according to what, we've hear- what we're hearing, you're right. We haven't heard much besides well, that. Well, the, yeah, the two extremes is you have someone that is running for office that is going to hang on to a very strong conservative talking point mm-hmm. as being the, literally she says in her statement, I'm just here because parents are so afraid to speak up and they need a voice and I understand. Right. Like literally like here, I will make it part mantle. of my platform. I'll put it on Facebook and I'm going to be the, 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 the one to hold the mantle and basically speak for them. And mm-hmm. then you have the other side, the principal is saying, no, 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 everything was great. All the people we got was awesome. So there is some posturing here on both sides of this equation. Yes. Um, but anyways, I, I, I want you to, I want you to go first. I kind of, I kind of jump right in in the last one. Oh, you, oh, you want me to go? Yes, okay. Yes. Um, yeah, look, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a cringe for sure. And I, uh, for me, for the, for the very 
for the principal reason that you have to recognize the year that a lot of that students have had. It's been a very difficult year marked by data that we're just now beginning to see about really, you know, rapidly increasing numbers of isolation and depression, all these different things. They've got an opportunity to cut loose. And here what we're doing is we're, again, kind of marking them, giving them that scarlet letter of you're either in one group or another in a world where we're constantly, you know, putting pressure on 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 these kids and you know, in ways right or wrong, depending on what you believe in. But I think this thing, this is a way that really creates a lot of undue pressure on them and creates the sense of the things that we always hear are bad, like othering and everything else, right? So the fact that I, mean, I just again, I don't know because I don't, I don't know the the things that actually happen at this, and I'm actually trying to do a little bit of, of reading right now just to see if I can find any feedback from the students themselves, but. Um, it just seems like a real bad recipe to put all these kids in one place, designate some of them as being essentially done, having done the good thing. And what if they wanted to be vaccinated and their parents said no? Like, then that might create a riff with them and their parents. Like, who knows? I just think it's like a, mm-hmm. like a blender, like a milkshake of, of potential issues um, that I don't think are right to do with young people. Especially in the context of what we just went through. I think as options, you could have said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have all of this whole prom outside. We're going to have everyone wear a mask. That way you don't have to single out who is or who isn't, right? Right. We're going to cancel the prom. I mean, it's not like things weren't canceled. So there's a number of different things that could have happened that in my mind would have been better than you wear a white shirt, you wear a black shirt, or I'm going to worse. I'd rather have the shirt, frankly. At least you have a memory. But I'm going to mark your skin with a marker that's permanent marker so that people can check whether or not you're in the good group or the bad group. I just think it's terrible. It's terrible. It's total cringe for me. Total cringe. Right. So when I think about and this, that's without being prepared. There you go. There you go. Next when, time. I, when I think about this issue, I yeah, I think the the approach by the school to mark these kids on oh, who's vaccinated, who's not, just just from the get go, does not sound like a great idea. The part that it, that it wasn't clear, I would have loved to understand it. What is what did that then mean as it relates mm-hmm. to what they were able to do or not oh, able to do within the problem? That's a that's a great question. Because otherwise, know. it's it seems like a random thing to have. To not um, well, it has to correspond to something, doesn't it? I mean, otherwise, what's the I, point? I don't know if it's if it's t- if it's tied to contact tracing, then it would have been more of an issue of understanding which of them were vaccinated or not, so they can be able to follow up if someone gets sick. I have a quote here: If they were on the dance floor, they had to raise their hands after every three songs so their numbers could be recorded by other underclass students for contact tracing purposes. So, if you like, you know, I'm out there on the dance floor, I'm unvaccinated. There's a limit to the number of songs, and I got to. I guess I have to come off. I, I mean, There's, again, it's, it's, it's just, it's yeah, a cacophony it of bad ideas. So, so I would say, look, I'm not defending what they did. I think it's a bad idea. It doesn't, just doesn't sound, there's too much singling out of these kids. And, and to your point, you could just do things to make it safer for them to be there, wear a mask, have it all be outside, et cetera. But when I want to compare cringes, I put state representative Melissa Litchfield significantly higher on the cringe here. Because mm-hmm. you are jumping in on this topic and trying to use it as part of your platform to raise money and to be able to get reelected, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about, you know, these are these are issues that the, the parents and the kids can work out with the school. They can find, no one, and at least it sounds like no one wasn't not allowed to go into the prom because of it. So you can't say about anyone's personal rights were violated. Is it a bad idea? I agree 100%. But her all of a sudden being the voice of the people and jumping on this, on this issue to further promote her platform it just comes out of so fake. It comes out of, to me out so poorly. I was looking at it as she pulled up her Facebook page. 
Uh, and it's just like barf on the yeah. entire thing. Like barf on the entire thing because you're dropping this, on this issue that the school is obviously didn't take the best approach. They're trying to figure out the, the best way to do it. I don't know if there is necessarily, I don't think there's bad intent at school. I just think is even with good intent, bad out- outcomes could happen. I think this is, I will put that, put that in the category. But I felt that her jumping in on this, talking to NBC Boston, being the the voice of the people, I just thought that it just came off so fake and just just part of her wanting to get reelected. So that's that's another courage or cringe that you've done. That's yes. like next week's courage or cringe. I, I, I added more layers to the. I love it. But the, the, the name of the high school is Exeter. It's a New Hampshire high school, but yeah. it's called Exeter High School in New Hampshire. And there apparently there is most of the rationale for this was around dancing. Because obviously dancing does not involve, for the most part, social distancing. So they were trying to do this as a way to cycle the kids. And what, I, what I'm reading now is that this actually was held outside, which is even yeah. more confusing now. But um, even, even like, and I think I shared with you, Charlie, I, went, I got a chance to go to a service, a, mm-hmm. uh, a um, you know, mass service. And mm-hmm. what they did there is they had um, um, bracelets. And you could either wear, I forgot what the color choice was. I'm sure one of them was black. I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> right. But but there was one where basically they, they had two. Like one is I'm okay with like hugging, touching, et cetera. And the other one said like, love you, but like keep Stay your away. distance. Yeah. And you could either choose having one or the other. And everyone marked themselves. Now, regard, I mean, you can say, it's not say tied to vaccination. It's based on what you personally are more comfortable yeah, with doing. And that, that sounds But that they, sounds But it did fine. have a little bit of that scarlet letter kind of sure, appeal to it because sure. you still had it. Because if you were saying, don't come near me, that right. was a little weird. A little... And, and you had people that were like, you know, you're in church. Like, hey, oh, hey, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, not you. But in some ways, it actually, I thought it was, it was an interesting way of thinking super, about it because it actually made it less awkward because you can see it. For those that really like are really uncomfortable, you can mm-hmm. see it pretty clearly. So the thing that then you're not having that super awkward trying to hug them and then they get all weirded out, you know, because sure. of it. So this is not the first time that I've seen something like this. I just think this is once again they're trying to just. I'm sure they're trying to do something good for the kids and, and be safe, but it just the execution was just not good. Seen that before. Two for two. Execution, not good. All right. So our last courage or cringe. So governor says that Texas will build a wall along its border with Mexico. So as reported by The Guardian, Greg Abbott, uh, the Republican Texas governor, announced that the state will build a wall along its southern border with Mexico, sparking some immediate criticism from human rights and immigration advocacy groups. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Did you know that Greg Abbott was a paraplegic? I did not know that. No. He's a paraplegic. Yeah. He's in a wheelchair. They always show him from... The waist up. Oh, interesting. And in every I've, interview, I've never, I've never realized that he's a paraplegic. Um, mm-hmm. So that means I have to pick on him less. Or I, I don't know. Do to, I don't know. Mm, now, he doesn't. Now, he, he doesn't market it. Ooh. That's for sure. Doesn't right. market it. That, that's for that's for sure. He could probably lean into that a little. Yeah, harder. a little bit, right? <laughs> but he doesn't. Uh, now this, by the way, so mm-hmm. this announcement is in response to President Biden rolling back the Trump immigration policies, including stopping the building of the wall. Right. So in addition to the border wall plans, he also announced that other security measures, including plans for Texas to construct its own detention centers, also a billion of the state's budget being allocated to border security. And he also said that more undocumented immigrants will be arrested and sent to local jails versus being turned over to the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, right? So ICE. Uh, there were many who immediately protested, protested including the Democratic uh, Texas Representative Joaquin Castro, who said Governor Abbott is planning to steal Texas land for a political stunt. Um, in all of this, it's actually not clear at all whether Texas actually has the authority to construct a border wall, right? By the way, the Biden administration has already uh, threatened to sue Texas after Governor Abbott ordered that the state licenses 
be revoked for any federally contracted facility that houses migrant children. Right. Uh, and this is all part of the Republicans, you know, criticism of Biden's rollback of Trump era's border policies, right? Claiming that it's inspiring more attempts to cross the U.S. Mexican border and made the border has made the border less safe. But as in this is what I found, I found pretty hilarious, as reported by that piece in The Guardian, there was a little bit of uh, they said there has been little evidence that harsher border policies are actually more effective. In particular, it called out that the Trump border wall is actually scalable with a five dollar ladder. <laughs> Where do you get a ladder for five bucks? I want to know. Every time I've bought one at Home Depot, it's like a hundred dollars. Well, yeah, those are the. But I mean, um, oh, like a rope you ladder, can, you can like a rope ladder. Make your own ladder, like I a mean, rope ladder. is probably yeah, yeah, what they yeah, mean. Probably, probably whatever. whatever, whatever the case. Okay. But I, I did think that was pretty hilarious, yeah. right? Where just like you know, after all this debate about building the border wall, like, hey, if you got five bucks, you can, you can get a ladder. It. We're good, right? Uh, so, courage or cringe? Governor Abbott uh, taking border security into its own hands, or just more political posturing that plays well with <laughs> and, the base? And without weighing into, you're going to go first, but without weighing into this into that um uh into the morality of of a wall the same argument about scaling the wall for a five dollar ladder can be made to any fence or any wall in any place like sure there's you know somebody can jump over my fence right now with even not a five dollar wall they could probably just leap over it right but so the idea of walls are not just that they keep that makes it impossible to keep people out but that it creates a some kind of psychological barrier where you know as a person, I once I go here, I'm really doing something I shouldn't be. Like, there's some aspect no, of that. No, I disagree with that. And, and not in this case, because like, people that are crossing the border, going through the desert, uh-huh. where they could possibly die, mm-hmm. they already know that they're breaking the law, they're already putting their life at risk. There, it's not that having this wall all of a sudden makes it more illegal or it gives them another sign. I mean... I don't think it's necessarily in this specific context. I understand so you, your point yeah. about like having a backyard, right? Your backyard, you have a, a, a fence or whatever may be the case. Yeah. That is, I think that's a very different scenario than in case of the border where you- I just meant the logic doing... of the argument was, the logic of that statement is to say, oh, look, it doesn't work because you can scale it. My point is, then you could say that about any fence or any wall. It doesn't work. Well, we no, shouldn't, you know, that, I, that's I, all that's I think all the point this is making is that from all this hoopla about building a border wall, what it costs, the fact that Trump was was is actually his main talking point for the you know while running up for the election, and for to a big part of his of his presidency, having talking all this smack that Mexico was going to pay for it, all of this focus on those on this wall that at the end of the day is pretty ineffective in actually doing what it's intended to do, which is to make the border more secure. Mm-hmm. I think that's basically what it is. Like with five bucks, you basically you 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 can crack the code. So as, th- to what, as, to, as to this wall that all of this hoopla is, is all about. So then following, though, your logic, just so I can make sure I'm understanding it, then the difference between the 170,000 people coming every month now and the 70,000 when Trump was here is just Trump. In other words, no wall, no type of intervention, no number of people on the border. It's just the fact that he himself was in office, and therefore that makes he a made— really big difference. Yeah, well, listen— you, when you put a policy that that you're saying, I'm going to separate you from their kids as mm-hmm. a way to discourage you from actually coming, that's a very different approach that you're taking in terms of how you view all immigrants. When you're saying like, even if you're looking, coming to us as a refugee, you can't actually basically follow our own federal law of how we handle refugees. You're the state of another country that isn't even the country you came from. And wait there. And we'll get to you when we get to you. You may not even be able to go to court when we have your refugee case. You have a very different approach as to how you think about immigration that I think whether we want to or not, how effective it actually is, it, it is a very, like, it's a much harsher way of thinking about this. We can say 
because the difference, difference, and I think it's the difference between being a f- effective and being right, being the right way to sort of think about well, of immigration, course. right? A lot of things are effective you that are moral. Shoot all the people that are coming through the super border, effective. and you, you're super effective. Yeah, of course. Is that as a country that we do we talk about mm. democracies and, and how sure. we want to sort of export democracy no, across? That's immoral. Probably not the right way to mm-hmm. do it, but it could be pretty effective. And I think Trump took it to a whole other level. I agree that with other that. people I before guess. that were not were not willing to do. And I think this taking back from that level mm-hmm. does encourage more people to come. Because I think part of the issue that you have is more people that are coming to the border. And I said there's more people just getting through the border, I understand. Which, is, which is different. And I understand that point. What, I, what, I, what I'm not able to do is ascribe 100% of the delta between the Trump administration number and the Biden one just strictly on Trump. I do believe that things have some effect. You know, border patrols, walls, yeah. I do believe they have some effect on this. And I can't, I'm not going to describe 100% of it just to him. That's yeah, my I difference. think some of his policy for sure. Um, and in some cases, lack Maybe of 90. clear policy has been also part of the problem, right? Because you try to, also, you know, Biden try to roll back things immediately without say, having the, te- we talked about this, having the right team in place, the right process in place. How are you going to handle some of these kids? Part of the reason why some of these kids ended up in some of these facilities that felt very similar to the yeah. things that we were talking about before as being a problem. So, all of that is is an issue, um, but let's let's get let's get back to one last uh, point uh-huh. bef- before you opine because you're going to go first on just one thing to give um, Governor Abbott his due. He, the quote that he says because he was asked specifically about this, he noted the crisis has led to unsafe conditions for Texas residents living near the border. Quote: It's a third world country where these farmers and ranchers are living with their lives on the line every day. And you know what? The Biden administration could care less about these people who are going through this tragedy. Somebody has to step up, step up for these people. That's his answer. Sure. Okay, yeah. go. And I think that's a great talking point. Okay, that's an awesome talking point. Is is what keeps you know so many politicians elected. I think that's. I put him in a very similar category than when we talked about Florida uh, mm-hmm. the other day with mm-hmm. uh, Governor DeSantis. Mm-hmm. On, on having this posturing that is against the federal government that really plays really well with their base. And by the way, has truth to it. Because I think there is truth to what he's saying. We just talked about it earlier with Kamala Harris hasn't visited the border. Part of, part of the situation that we have in Texas is created by the fact that the Biden administration, even they may be doing a bunch of things, but the fact that they personally have not been to the Texas border or California or any border and showing that this is the top of the priority as well, I think creates a situation where you have these governors, gives them more leeway to, to have sure. this. Sure, so they're you, not going to more ammo. Act. You're giving them more ammo to do this. Whether or not this is legal or not, because I think that's the other thing too, is like, it goes back to, is this legal? Is this even effective? Or does it become like a, just a nice kind of posturing thing that allows you to retain power, that allows you to get elected again? I think I put this much it more in that, in that category. It definitely is a powerful pol- uh, p- politics platform. It is a campaigning platform, which is and very simple to say, and everybody gets it. Wall, got it. Like everybody for understands. Sure. It. That's it's why very I, I, when I when I think of this, I put it in the cringe because I see it much more as that as a political posturing, mm-hmm. uh, something that is to play really well with your base. By the way, there was a, gr- a great uh, piece. I was just I was just actually, I was watching. Um, you know, we talked about uh, rising, right? That the fact that sure. um, Crystal and Sagar that they left, right? So they they have their new show. I forget what it's called. But they were just talking about Governor DeSantis and his order that he signed, right? Uh, and just to remind everyone, he ordered, he signed an order that basically platforms couldn't, basically politicians could not be deplatformed for anything they say on these social platforms, especially as it's leading up to- Without to, being able to be sued in Florida. Well, they're going to get fined. Not, not fines, sued. They're getting fined on yeah. a daily basis, right? Um, and so with the, with the notion that we shouldn't be, we shouldn't allow these social platforms to deplatform people, right? Because of freedom of speech. Well- 
just uh, I think a week ago, there was, and I forget the name of her name, but she's like a very uber liberal, um, like, I don't, even, I don't know if she's a reporter, what she is, but she just got deplatformed by Twitter, right? And Governor DeSantis is, is goes, goes on Twitter and celebrates it, how this person got the platform that has, has been long overdue, et cetera. And it was Sagar who was talking about it, like, listen, this is the part of the hypocrisy when we hear some of these folks talk about that they're all for, for freedom of speech. No, mm-hmm. they're not. Mm-hmm. They just want freedom of speech to their, whatever their points of view are, because if you really are for no one being the platform, then why would you celebrate someone being the platform, even if you disagree with their political point of view, right? In the same conversation that I, that I made about um, uh, Lindell, right, the the my pillow guy, right? Mm-hmm. We said, like, I want a, a I want freedom of speech in a platform as long as for my platform is all about Christian values. Well, that's not really freedom of speech. That's just for a very specific POV. Yeah. And, and I put I, these mm-hmm. guys in the exact same category, which is why I put them cringe. Yeah. And uh, and I, I hear that. On, on the DeSantis thing, I actually don't know. Uh, I haven't seen that quote. It strikes me as much easier, though, to find someone on the left side of the political spectrum who wants to reduce the likelihood of incendiary or offensive speech to be on a platform than it is for somebody on the right, irrespective of what Ron DeSantis said. I think the numbers are just far different when you aggregate them. And then in terms of Mike, the, the Mike Lindell thing, I still haven't actually looked up what the guy actually said. But yeah, you're right. That'd be completely um, you know, hypocritical and, and, and backwards if he said it's a freedom of speech platform, but it's just the, f- the speech that I like. Okay. Um, having said that, this one for me is tricky because I don't know Governor Abbott, but I do know people who know him pretty well. And he seems to actually be a person who's trying, from what I understand of the guy, trying to do the right thing and actually does legitimately care about the people who are on the border and trying to help them. Having said that, I do see what you're saying about the power of the political campaign the, the, the political campaign potential of mm-hmm. that statement is very, very strong. Yeah. Very strong. It's like, it's kind of a slam. It's like when you find a great insight and you're like, oh, we have to build a campaign around it. It's like, that's, that's a good a one. That's a great one. It's a tough one. to remember. It's like, it's, you can see it. Like, yeah, it's just, there's it's so a, much to it that is like. It's a tough one to let go. It's a yeah, tough one to for let sure, go. For and sure. So, and so for me, I'm kind of being outweighed in a direction. I don't think this guy is, you know, like some crazy evil guy at all. I think the opposite. Wait, I, don't, I don't think that either. Yeah. But I, but I, well, I mean, he's sometimes he's characterized. I think most Texan politicians tend to be characterized in that way. But I do think that in this case, He's it's it's too it's like a black hole of political potential. So I do think it's just like it outweighs it, pushes it for me into that category of cringe. Um, if I had to make a decision, because I I just it's it's really impossible to divorce the fact that this is really really good for him to kind of get behind this idea. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it it actually kind of feels innovative in a way. Like you know, to to a certain sector of that voting block, it's like. Yeah, man, they're not doing anything for us. We're going to do it ourselves. It's like, you know right. what I mean? It's like a rallying thing. <laughs> it sounds thing. very, very Texas, right? It's very Texas, done our way, and we're going to build it bigger and better than anybody else. So it's it's just so well done that mm-hmm. it's hard for me to imagine resisting the temptation to utilize that in an exploitative kind of way. So that's why, for me, it's a cringe. But um, but beyond that, I, I don't I don't apply um, any nefarious motives to this man at all, from what yeah, I've heard I, about him. I also think, I mean, and I, and I do mean it, I think that the Biden administration has created a situation where they're, they are feeding into this by their lack of, of literally show, be, sure. being there in person and showing up. I mean, so whether they're happy or not with what they're saying, at the end of the day, that's, that's something that is, you know, they, they create the environment for that, for that to take place. Agreed. Awesome. Three for three? 
three. Uh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm, congratulations. I, I was for sure piece. thought that we were not going to be on the same page as the last one. I was, I was very confident. See, every now and then I surprise you. you every you now and then. Every now and then. All, All right. Then. Very good. Any, anything, uh, parting wise? Are no. we good to go? We're good. Any, any exciting things coming up for us in the next couple of weeks? Who knows? It'll be a surprise. It'll we'll be find. Surprise. We'll find out. But uh, all right, my friends, reminder to please subscribe. Tell your friends about the show. Share the show. You know, I just share the show with like uh, all the folks on LinkedIn. I did what you told me. I did like the good, the hundred or hundred and twenty, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. I got a bunch of new subs. That's awesome. That's it great. works. Who knew? Who knew? But anyway, remember to subscribe. Go to patreon.com backslash. The Diversity Remix. Please support our work. Let us know how we're doing. We'll see you next time on another episode of TDR. If you enjoyed this episode of The Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and give us a five-star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by blackbrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez, with production services by Jose Manuel Durquidi and Luis Diego Carranza, and our friends at Juan Diego Network. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown. No matter what you're a fan of, Texas has the trip for you. There's the trip to Texas and the trip. Or maybe you're the kind of fan who'd prefer a trip to Texas or a trip. Either way, go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay.